Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Hey guys, how's everyone doing? Awesome. Turn to the person next to you and say, I've been praying all week I'd sit next to you in church. Go for it. Quick. Go for it. Now, turn to the person that you didn't choose and give them a sympathetic high five. Go for it. Awesome. Good stuff. So, yeah. Uh, I'm preaching tonight. I feel like I've got a word from God that I'm going to bring. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I might as well talk about what happened last night. Just get out of the way. You know what I mean? Everyone wants to know. So, me <laughs> me and my beautiful girlfriend, Hattie, got engaged last night, yeah. Someone tried to phone and they couldn't get through, so. Engaged? No, no one? Okay, I'll just leave it with you. Oh, bad joke, sorry. So, yeah, I'm going to ask uh, Donald to put a picture up, because I just thought I might as well show you what happened. Hey. So, in case you can't see, I made the sign... Uh, out of fairy lights and sticks. It was about this high. It said, marry me with a question mark. And the good thing about that is, it's quite romantic, I guess, for Hattie. She found it romantic, and she's telling all the girls, it's so romantic, and they're all like, yeah. <laughs> but the good thing about it was that, in its true nature, it was just DIY. So all the guys are just like, yeah, that was pretty good. I appreciate that as well. <laughs> so, yeah, just thought I'd share that. Okay, you can put that down now. You're embarrassing me now, Donald. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, I thought I would just start the message with actually, for an example of what I'm going to speak about in this more than the series, uh, something that happened in my relationship with Hattie when I had to do something to be romantic way back. So first year, we've actually been going out seven years, which is a long time. It's, it's a n- number of perfection. That's why I waited so long. Uh, so no one's saying anything. <laughs> so, right, so we're going out the first year. I, w- I wanted to impress. It was Valentine's Day. I wanted to impress her. Like, I'm not a very organized person, right? So I booked way in advance the restaurant and everything, and it was really nice, just kind of normal and stuff, so it was cool. But the second year, I was a little bit more relaxed. I felt like I'd won her heart, so I didn't really organize anything. Uh, and Hattie came up to me, and she was like, oh, have you booked the restaurant? And I was just like, oh, yeah, don't worry, I've got it covered, I've got it covered. So uh, she asked me, and then it came to Valentine's Day, and she said, have you booked the restaurant? And I was just like, yeah, don't worry, I've got it covered. Oh, so uh, I hadn't booked this restaurant. Now, something to know about Hattie is that she loves Italian food. I, for some reason, I do not understand why, because it's just basically pasta, and I just that's just so boring. Why would you go to a restaurant just to have pasta? That's something I throw in the, the pan and just boil water if I'm in a rush, you know? I wouldn't pay money for it. So uh, she, she loves it, so that's what had, we had to go for. So uh, anyway, me, I like Spanish food. Who likes Spanish food in here? I much prefer that. There's like meat, there's variety, variation, it's very good. But I had to go for Italian. So <laughs> she's asking me, it's all fine. So Valentine's Day, I just go into like a panic. Okay, like I'm like, I've been late for stuff before, but this is really bad. So I phoned the restaurants and I'm like, okay, come on. So all the Italian restaurants, fully booked. I got desperate. I went on to Spanish, Chinese, Indian. I was like, it doesn't matter. I'll just get somewhere. Everywhere was booked, and not only that, it was embarrassing because all the waiters had some smarmy remark to make about, "Oh, you're a bit late, mate." <laughs> yeah, thanks. I know that's why I'm phoning you now, <laughs> desperate. So, anyway, I'm just like 
trolling through the yellow pages. I don't know why I was looking through the yellow pages. That seems very old school, but it was a while ago. So I, was, <laughs> I find this restaurant, and I'm like, okay, I haven't phoned this one. I've not even heard of it. So And it sounded Italian. I was like, I could have hit a jackpot in here. So I phoned them up, and I'm like, hey, is this a, an Italian restaurant? <laughs> and they're like, uh, yeah, why? And I'm just like, okay, that's what I want. Uh, have you got any? Have you got a table for two uh, available tonight? And they were like, "Yeah, we do actually, 7:30." And I was just like, "Oh my goodness, this is a miracle! Like, this is so late." And then uh, I didn't. I should really alarm bell should have been going off then, but because uh, everywhere else was fully booked. So I phoned up Hattie, all smug, like, "Yeah, I've booked us a restaurant. Can't wait to take you out tonight and stuff." So it was awesome. So uh, yeah, we turn up to go to the restaurant. I managed to bluff my way through, going down a couple of wrong streets because I didn't even know where this place was. I was just like, oh, it's over here. No, it's not. It's over here. <laughs> and then uh, we get to this restaurant and we pull up to the door, walk in. Just massive spiral st- staircase. It's actually really beautiful. And I was just like, oh my goodness, man, I got lucky with this. And then it's just like decorated really well. And she sort of looks over like, whoa, this is nice. So we walk up like a million steps to get to the top and we get in. And this is the real deal Italian restaurant. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was Pavarotti that welcomed me in as I got to the door. <laughs> He looked like it. Well, he looked like he'd been eating there for a while. But uh, I, I go in a bit. We go and get taken to our table. We sat down with what next to us looks like the mafia organising their next hit. But it was fine. <laughs> looks like someone just walked straight off the set of The Godfather. But it was, okay, we'll still enjoy it. So it was really impressive. And uh, we just sit in there enjoying our meal. And I thought, you know what? This was so close to a disaster, but I've managed to pull it off. This is awesome. And then the bill came which I didn't realize. And let's just say that the night ended with a three-figure bill I had to pay. Uh, and this was years ago, man. I was just fresh out of school. I didn't even have a job. <laughs> so I had to just go, <laughs> yeah, no worries. Put it on this card. <laughs> and then, uh, But the point I'm going to make is that, you know, there's things that happen in life, and a lot of the time we have to pay a price. And that was something I discovered for my bad lack of organization but Hattie, I didn't actually tell Hattie for ages that story I was just like yeah totally deliberately took you there so uh, yeah but so in the more than this series uh, the message I'm going to speak tonight is called The Price so let's go for that nice little intro for it so uh, yeah it's called More Than This the series and I'm sure at some point in our life we've all asked you know is there more than this is there more than life to this you know we get stuck we get not even like anything bad's happening, but we just get a bit bored. It's just a bit uh, mundane. And we just say, is there more to this? And I'm sure we've all asked that. You see it in movies. It's quite a common theme. But um, I believe that in Jesus, uh, as a Christian, there's way more than this that we can live in. And it might not be the more than this that we seek uh, naturally, you know, like money and stuff. That always seems to be a big one. But that might not be our more than this. But there is definitely more we can walk into in the spiritual, in faith and in favor in our lives. And I'm just going to go into that. You know, in uh, Psalm 23, verse 5, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And it's that overflowing that I'm talking about. You know, it says that uh, in the Bible that um, Jesus came to bring life and life more abundantly. You know, not just life. There's more. And uh, I believe that's what we're going to get into tonight. So, yeah. I think that, you know... We're not, we don't get born again just to become church seat warmers. We're actually born again to become world changers. But how easy is it to do the, the first of that? I find myself doing that a lot. We just come to church and live in that mundane when, you know, coming to church and being a Christian and following Jesus, is, it's meant to be in the more than this arena, the world changers arena. So so uh, let's turn to the Word, if that's okay. 
So Jesus said to John, come forth and receive eternal life. But John came fifth and won a toaster. <laughs> That's not the word, that was a joke. So I just had to throw that in there. That didn't happen. If anyone wants to go check it. The big book of Bible jokes might have that, but not the real Bible. So I'm actually going to talk about the story of, of Joseph in Genesis. So uh, sorry about that, I had to throw it in. It's just my personality. Uh, so in uh, Genesis 37... I'm going to do a bit of reading from scripture. Is that okay tonight? If I make a good point, um, just shout something like, that's good, just encourage me. And if I make a bad point, just shout the same, because that will encourage me as well. And I'll just keep going. So, so uh, yeah, Genesis 37. It says, So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flock. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah, awesome names. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things that his brothers were doing. First mistake there was he was a snitch, just pointing that out. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in a field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered round and bowed low before me. His brothers responded, So you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and what he talked about. I don't blame them, to be honest. It's a bit rude. So, uh, St. Joseph had another dream, and again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, and eleven stars all bowed low before me. This time, he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? While his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dream meant. So, I'm just going to skip a bit through the scriptures. So, basically, uh, Joseph's father sends him out to go and visit his brothers. Uh, I think they were attending to some sheep somewhere. So, he goes out to see them. And we'll just carry on. uh, Verse 18. And it says, When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. It's a bit harsh, but we'll see what happens. So, (laughs) here comes the dreamer, he said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns. We can tell our father an animal has eaten him. We'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben, who was the younger brother, I believe, heard of the scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into an empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. But Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return to his father. So when Joseph arrives, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern now the cistern was empty with no water in it then just as they were sitting down to eat they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming towards them it was a group of Ishmaelite traders loading taking a load of gum balm and aromatic resin to Gilead from Gilead to Egypt Judah said to his brothers what will we gain by killing our brother we will have to cover up the crime instead of hurting him let's sell him to the Ishmaelite traders and after all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. Blood, as brothers agreed. So they, when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came to Joseph's brothers, pulled him out of the cistern and sold him for twenty pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. 
Sometime later, Reuben returned to get Joseph from the cistern. When he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief. Then he went back to his brothers and lamented. lamented. The boy is gone, what will I do now? This. That was the dad that said that. So, uh, and basically, I'm just going to skip on a bit. Basically, he got sold in, uh, into slavery. Um, and they took him to a guy called Potiphar, who was uh, an officer to the pharaoh, the pharaoh of the king of Egypt. Um, he was Potiphar's captain. Potiphar was the captain of the palace guard. So this this was like a serious dude he got given to. He was quite high up. So yeah. So Joseph's life seemed to be all good. He was the favourite son. He had a nice coat, things like that. But um, it was all turned upside down. And uh, I think sometimes in our lives we can feel like that happens to us. Just all of a sudden everything's going good, and the next minute it's all kind of gone into a whirlwind of chaos. And what do we do then? Like it's easy to have faith in God and to believe for more when you've got a lot or you can even become comfortable in that but when it's turned on its head it's so hard to know what to do and often by default we revert into ourselves we close down we shut down and we're actually not available to be used by God because we've just closed ourselves off but um, in the story we're going to read that you know Joseph didn't do that so he was a free man now he's been sold into slavery his, his dream about ruling over his brothers must seem a million miles away from there you know, if we've ever experienced having a, a really strong dream in our heart and then time happens, time goes by, nothing happens. How far away is that dream from us? We almost resent the dream because it had an example of hope in our lives. And when it didn't come to pass, we just drop it. We just, like, disown it. And I just think it would have been so easy for that dream, even though it was quite a weird one. I've never had dreams like that. But, you know, he, it would have been something that just would have seemed so distant. He was, he was free, now he's a slave. So, I'm going to carry on reading, if that's okay. Uh, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So, the Lord was with Joseph, so he ex- succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. You know, that just m- makes me think of God's for us and who can be against us. You know, even in this situation of, of uh, you know, being in slavery, enslaved by someone, you know, he still received favor. Now, he didn't, he wasn't free, but he still received the favor of God. You know, it wasn't perfect for him, but, you know, God was still moving in the situation, and I think that would have given him the drive to just carry on. So, he, uh, Pot- Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about anything except what kind of food to eat, which is all I really worry about anyway. But <laughs> So, Joseph was very handsome and a well-built young man. Uh, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. She's a bit forward, but... (laughs) Anyway. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be such a great sin against God. She kept putting the pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around, and he went to do his work. She came and grabbed him by the cloak, demanding, Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand and ran from the house. When she saw, she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to the servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave to make fools of us. He came in my room to rape me, but I screamed, 
When he heard the screams, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. She told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into the house tried to come in and fool around with me. It's funny how she made it seem a bit nicer there when she said it to him. <laughs> she wasn't so forward. She said, but when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. So I thought that was a good place to stop. Some of you seem a bit awkward. I'll just explain it a bit further. <laughs> so let's, let's assess the situation. So Joseph's master's wife made it quite clear what she wants to do. Um, I can imagine that if uh, Joseph had given in to that request, there's a high chance that he would actually not be found out because in order to compromise the secret, she would have had to compromise her reputation if it came out. So like, it probably would have let fly if he'd gone for that, if he wasn't a man of God. So Joseph also knew that if he didn't accept their proposition, he would be f- found in trouble, which we're actually going to find out he is. So that's quite a tricky situation he's in. So he was in between a place where he had temptation and obedience to God. And it seemed like it would have been easier to go one way and not so easy the other way, which was obedience to God. So, yeah, I want to make a side point here in this, in this sort of situation. The Bible leaves all sorts of details in Scripture that seem sort of meaningless and not important, but a lot of the times the Holy Spirit will draw us to them because they actually bring the biggest revelation. And I think that's maybe in this situation what's happening. So, um, let's go for it. Uh, in verse 10, she said, She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and kept out of her way as much as possible. Stop there. You know, you can't hide from temptation forever. You can put yourself out of its way, but that's not the way to deal with it, you know? So, but this is what he was doing, which is understandable. And then we carry on. One day, however, no one else was around when he went to his work. She came in and grabbed him by the cloak. And that's another point is temptation isn't um, something that's very subtle and sort of like um, it's just going to kind of softly tap on your door. It's something that grabs you when you're not expecting it. You don't have time to think. You know, you might have great intentions, but what really comes out of you when you're squeezed in that situation, you know? And then in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 it says stay alert watch out for your great enemy the devil he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour that's a pretty forward and aggressive way that it seems that he likes to work so this is exactly what's happening with Joseph he's grabbed and then I heard it said before that some people think sin is like a vending machine that you can just go to it and choose the snack you want and you know whenever you want but the truth is that sin's always outside your door ready to so you have to be on guard you have to be ready to to fight back you know so so oh, I've lost myself here we go I need to get some volunteers so uh, anyone want to put a hand up I need a guy and a girl oh man this is awkward is it Joseph get up here convenient I need a girl <laughs> go for it, just me. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. Right. Okay. So obviously, you are going to be Potiphar's wife, and you are going to be Joseph. So uh, there we go. So I just want to look at the situation a little bit. I just thought it was interesting, like how it specified uh, a detail that just was uh, really stood out to me. Manuel, can you bring me a coat? Oh, that's my coat. Awesome. Thanks, man. So, Joseph, can you put a coat on? There we go. There we go. 
and Joseph wasn't very good with coats, <laughs> as we know. <laughs> so yeah. So basically, what's happened is Potiphar's wife, who is very beautiful, <laughs> is being very forward, and uh, he's 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 grabbed the jacket. You could just yeah, that's perfect. So this is where Joseph's in. He's he's been grabbed by temptation, and uh, yeah, what's interesting here is. Um, he, he, yeah, he's in a tricky spot between temptation and obedience to God. So what he does next is amazing. Bear, don't be distracted by the situation. He actually leaves what's connecting him to temptation behind, even though it was his. So, act out. Yeah. So, and then, so that's just the first point I want to make. If you guys could stay, like, holding the jacket between you, look like, yeah, there we go. Like it's a real struggle. Awesome. So, yeah. So he leaves what's connecting his sin behind him, which is his outer garment. It's his garment. And I believe that, um, you know, one of the things that's most dangerous to us, other than temptation or sin, is what connects us to it. Right? And that's something that, it doesn't actually need to be something that's sin itself. And it doesn't actually need to be something that's, you know, it, it, it might be a good thing, but it's an avenue that's connecting you to something that's not good. So the first thing Joseph did was he just left it behind. It was his. You know, he could have taken it with him. He could have been like, mm, and then run away. But it was too much. The time in there, it was just quicker for him just to let go. And awesome. And the next thing that I want to point out, that well, the thing that, that garment could be, could be a relationship you're in. It could be something that's causing you to sin. And it might be better just to get rid of the relationship, which seems quite drastic, rather than, you know, fighting something that's just going to be too hard for you to fight. It's better to let go of the garment. And also... You know, it could be something like a group of friends that you just find yourself gossiping in when you're not a gossip. It might be better just to spend a bit of time away from that group to let go of that garment because I'm not going to get dragged down a path where my reputation gets spoiled because I end up saying something I didn't mean to or I thought I said it in confidence when it was really spreading around. It was better for him to let go of the garment. It could be a laptop. If it's something you're struggling with, it's got an avenue for so much sin. You know, who says you can't turn the laptop laptop off for a while? You know what I mean? Why not put it away? Um, why not put, a, put, put it in somewhere where you know you're around people where you're not tempted to sin like have a ban on it it's better to get rid of the garment than to have something that can destroy what is that God's building around your life so then, I mean, you're, you're almost done don't worry next thing Joseph, Joseph did I keep, oh, I keep looking at Joseph that's Joseph next thing Joseph did was he just ran it just says he ran <laughs> awesome so you know what you can sit down now Right, let's give a round of applause for the handsome Joseph and the beautiful Potiphar's wife. Yeah. So just a verse to add on to that about the garment as well before I go on to about the running. Was, uh, somewhere in the Bible it says that if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than have two eyes and be thrown into hell. That's a scary but true verse, you know? And uh, I think that just explains it with the garment. And that's why Joseph left it behind. Such a small detail, but I think it was really important. So, it was a bold sacrifice Joseph makes. The next step, he just turns and he runs. I mean, in a situation like that, it's just a bit weird. It might seem a bit weak just turning away and running and not standing your ground. But I think he absolutely made the right decision to make. So, in uh, 1 Corinthians 6.18, it says, uh, simply says, run from sexual sin. 
It doesn't say stand your ground in the path of temptation. It doesn't mean talk your way out of temptation. It doesn't mean defend your face in front of temptation. It just means run. That's what it says. And that's what Joseph did. If you if you sort of stay around trying to chat your way out of it, trying to stand your ground and I'm so strong, you're not strong enough because it's God's strength who works through you. And he says to run. So I would just run out of that situation. Don't even bother with the, the, the smaller details. You know, God's got way more for you than whatever that small thing could bring. So, so yeah. Yes. I think Joseph made the right decision. So let's continue reading. The thing about that was he made a hard decision because he knew that there was going to be punishment for this lie, the story that Potiphar's wife had made up. So let's read uh, from verse 19 from there. It says, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. So Joseph, this is a message called the price. Joseph paid a price for being obedient to God. And it's looking pretty bleak at this moment. He's in prison, but um, you know we'll just see how it progresses. I know you all know the story, but let's keep it going. So, but the the Lord was with Joseph in prison, which is awesome, and showed him his faithfulness. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with ev- with all the prison wards. Before long, the war the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that had happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. What I love about Joseph here is that no matter what situation he's thrown into, he presses on and just serves faithfully. You know what I mean? It's very easy to, in a situation when you're put up against authority, to kind of back down and not, you know, be um, gracious in what you do. But he was. He just served. And he got in places because God's hand was on him. So how often is it that, you know, we'll, if we were put in a situation that's not nice, we'll just back down and just shut, shut down. And that's why we're stuck there basically so yeah you know and uh, Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 11 I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances and I love that like I think another um, I think it's another verse or another um, translation that says I'm content when I'm like up and when I'm down I'm just the same how amazing would it be to be that content no matter what circumstances around you but you weren't shaped by that. You were shaped by what God had for you, what God said about you, not your circumstances. And I think we can see this in Joseph here. So I'll give you a quick gist of the story It goes on. Basically, he's in prison with some other dudes, and then uh, the Pharaoh has a freaky dream, and then he wants um, someone to interpret it. And back in those days, they'd have like sorcerers and magicians and weird folk like that. and uh, But they couldn't do it. Um, this is the guys he would rely on. That's what they did back in Egypt. You know, so they're into all that sort of freaky deaky stuff. But um, so yeah, they can't do anything. So he, he he must be desperate. This guy, this dream must have absolutely haunted him because he went down to prison to find out if anyone could interpret it. So a couple of other guys didn't manage to very well and ended up dying some nasty deaths. But Joseph had faith, even though it was risky from what he'd seen around him, to believe God that he could interpret it interpret that dream and he did with, like boldly from what I can read in the scripture so the, the, the Pharaoh had this dream about um, it was something about skinny cows and fat cows and stuff it was really weird I'm not going to go into details but uh, there was cows in it and uh, so basically yeah there was there was fat cows for seven of them and then seven skinny cows or something. so basically Joseph interpreted it 
to be there was going to be seven years of of like bumper crops, like really good produce for seven years, and then there was going to be seven years of famine. So I don't know what made the Pharaoh trust them, but he saw something that was different from the rest of them, because Joseph had the boldness to, even though he was in a bleak situation, to live in a more than this situation. You know, like he wasn't living in more in the natural, but you know what? He was pushing in the spiritual, and he was taking himself places because he was trusting God. So, uh, yeah, basically what happens is, I'm just going to skip through it, but Joseph tells the dream, and the Pharaoh says, this guy surely has God like no one else I've seen in the land, which is an amazing thing that someone who's going to magicians and sorcerers is now looking for God because he's seen hope in a situation. And uh, Joseph tells him his dream, and basically, because of what he'd done, uh, Pharaoh put him up into second in command, took him right up, bombed the prison to second in command, and gave him like all this amazing stuff. And to end the story, um, he basically he saves up all the crops for the seven years that the produce is coming, and then he saves them for the seven years of famine, so he can uh, distribute the food for everyone after that. And everyone loves Joseph basically for for what he's done. So his family then come and bow down to him not even knowing that it's him and then his, his destiny, his dream from the start is actually complete but that's actually not the bit I'm wanting to talk about they lived happily ever after blah 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 that's not the point I'm wanting to focus on so basically to finish the story to go back to the point I want to go to is the point where he's in prison right? I think that's the most crucial point for this message tonight so he goes from a place of honour and respect um, in Potiphar's house you know he had a pretty good life from where he had been he makes a, a, a decision that costs him a price and then he gets put to the lowest part of the king's prison and the thing about that was it would have seemed bleak but his more than this was actually just above him he'd been moved into a place that would seem like it was an end but it was actually a start because of where he'd been positioned so you know it looked like it was a natural demotion but in fact it was a spiritual promotion you know he'd been put in a place that God has strategically taken him to in order to he could reach his more than this if I got put in prison I'd give up that's the you know the door's locked you're chained up that seems like an end to me but God had actually taken him to a new beginning and that's what we can do in our lives we often get stuck in the hurdles where we feel stuck in a position we can't move that's it it's closed up that dream's gone but the worrying thing for me is that when I do that, I'm closing off just just shy of my more than this, just shy of what God's got for me in the future. I could miss it because I give up. And Joseph didn't give up. So, um, yeah, he was in such close proximity of his dream coming true, you know, his dreams that God had given him. And the, the truth is that God had just positioned him smack bang, the right place, the right time for what he had planned for him. But to everyone else, it wouldn't have seemed that. So, I guess... Um, the main point of this message is don't give up because of what situations tell you, but push in because of what God's telling you, you know you're more than this, could be just around the corner it might not be what, you know it might not be money or it could be a job promotion or those kind of natural things, but I hope it's not I hope it's more than that, I hope it's something where you get to show God's excellence in what you do, I hope it's where you get to you know, see many people come to know Jesus because you pushed in in a difficult time and then got into that more than this area you know, you excelled past the mundane, the boring of your life and pushed into an area where God was actually moving and it was exciting 
I can tell you, going from prison to ruling would be exciting. And you know what? You can have that authority in what you do because of what God's done for you. So that was just the, the message I want to bring about more than this, you know. And you know, it's the, the price is what it was. You know, actually, just as a point, the restaurant we went to last night before I posed to Hattie was the same restaurant I went to that second year of. Uh, um, but I actually intended to go there deliberately this time, so it was awesome. But you know what? That first year, there was a price to pay that I wasn't expecting. And I think that often shocks us as Christians. But, you know, I just want to let you know that Jesus paid a much higher price than you can ever pay, you know? He paid something that's compared to what prices you have to pay for obedience, for for having faith, for maybe losing a free f- few friends here and there. It's nothing like what Jesus did for you. You know, he died on that cross, took all your sin. It was just the, the ultimate price. And, you know, we want to be like him and... You know, it's not going to be all fluffy bunnies and roses from, you know, all the time in life. We have absolutely amazing times, but there's going to be prices we have to pay. And we have to be ready to not look at our situation, but look at what God's doing in our life. You know, like Joseph had favor. You know, you know when you've had a situation which is really dire, you, f- you forget all the good things God's done? Joseph had favor right from when he went into slavery across, but he could have easily forgotten what God had done for him. But, you know, if we just remember this power in our testimony, what's been in the past, and it's an example for what's going to be in the future, what God's done in our past, he's going to keep doing it. So, um, yeah, but if, if this was, you know, new to you, and you didn't know about, you know, when I say Jesus paid a price for you, that doesn't make sense. You know, I just want to explain it a little bit that, you know, we were in sin, um, which might not seem like sin to a lot of us, but, you know, we weren't in and good, and he came and paid the price for our sins. You know, he took everything we'd done wrong and given us a clean slate. And we can we can step into that tonight. You know, so um, if if you want to come to know Jesus, you know, we it's so easy. You just have to accept him into your heart. You know, confess his name and just you know live for him. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website www junctionchurch.com. God bless.